welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 198th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 659th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, December 17th, 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, since I wasn't able to be on the North Alabama postgame show, I didn't get my chance to sing the praises of Armand Franklin, so I figured this would be as good a place to do it as any since nothing uh, much has happened in the IU basketball world uh, this week other than the uh, uh, the commitment that we'll talk about here in a minute. But, uh, you know, Armand goes comes out of that North Alabama game, scores 19 points, five made threes, which is huge for him and this team, uh, five assists, four rebounds, and three steals. And through six games, he is tied for second on the team in scoring, Tied for, th- or he's third in rebounding, second in assists, and first in steals. He's got at least eight points in five of six games, and at least four rebounds in five of six games. And our, some of the comments after the game, you know, one from uh, Armand himself and one from Archie, I thought were were telling. Uh, from Armand's perspective, he said, "Just want to play both, just play both ends of the floor, and trying to be a c- complete two way player. That's what I strive to be. I'm working to do that every day. And I think we see that in the three point shooting and the improvement that he showed in that game. And Ryan, you mentioned it after the show that looked like he'd really worked on his shot and things were a bit smoother in that game. Uh, and Archie echoed some of that. Archie said he continues to evolve as a player for us, but I was really happy for him to see that ball go through the net. He's really worked hard on it, and I think that's going to be the Armand that we get used to seeing. IU fans certainly hope so. Uh, with the way that he's defending for us and the way that he's creating, he's turning into a terrific player early in the year for us. And as we look at what the season might be, a, a, a leap like this and, and sustained some level of this production, not making five threes a game by any stretch of the imagination, but this sustained production and this leap from Armand will go a long way toward doing that. I think Al will, uh, I think the the ankle injury has probably bothered him a bit in these last couple of games as he recovers from that. And I think you know what you're going to get from him overall. You've got Rob, uh, who has been been steady, uh, and I think everybody's you know hoping to see a little bit more of. And Armand does some of the things from a defensive standpoint that you see from Rob, and plays a bit more downhill. and And so I think just having another threat on the perimeter, another guy who really attacked the basket, and another guy who's a really strong defender will go a long way toward figuring out where this team finishes overall in the Big Ten. And I think among a, a number of bright spots for IU through these first six games, Armand, to me, has certainly been one of those. And uh, just wanted to circle back and talk about him, given uh, the way he played against North Alabama. So with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. Coach, and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind tonight? Well, a, a couple things. One, uh, just uh, really glad that Indiana's been able to get their games in 
um, in, in this crazy time. And uh, also that Indiana's defense is being talked about uh, in, in Ken Palm rankings, on podcasts about how the Hoosiers are defensive-minded first and how it's keeping them in ball games. That's just a return to the Indiana basketball that, that I really came to know and love from uh, the Coach Knight days. And I think that's winning basketball. If you can guard people, uh, you're going to be in games, even on nights when your offense uh, leaves you for, for the most part. And in this tough schedule looking ahead, I think that bodes well for a very competitive Indiana Hoosiers. The second thing is the value uh, of you know Coach Hunter, um, real good hire uh, by Archie Miller. And we'll talk Parker Stewart here. But the, the bottom line is that um, the young man uh, who just recently committed and transferred it came because of the relationship with Co- Coach Hunter, and I just get the feeling that he's that one of those dudes that really can relate to the players, hold them accountable, yes, coach them hard, uh, but that the players really like. And it means a lot, uh, given uh, Parker Stewart's situation with the loss of his dad, that he wants to come to a place uh, that has a family atmosphere and really uh, has some tradition, and that's Indiana basketball. And so those, those are a couple things that I'm, I'm thinking about this week as uh, we get prepared to watch uh, Saturday's ballgame. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, what's your rant this week on Indiana basketball? Although Jared did open it up in the run sheet that if you wanted to uh, take some shots at the college football playoff, this would be uh, potentially the place to do it. Maybe we don't have enough time for that. It's tough to say. Probably not. That's an entire show to itself. The rankings are an absolute joke. I wrote about it uh, at the big lead this week. If you guys want to go look that up. Um, I, I want to talk about Parker Stewart. I know we're going to in this segment, but I wanted to start off saying I think it's a big addition for Indiana. Not only getting a guy who has starting experience in a major conference, I think a lot of people are losing. They're you know talking about you know Tennessee Martin and his and his his work there, which was great. He averaged nineteen points, uh, four and a half rebounds, three point eight assists, and hit a lot of three pointers for them, uh, and was a second team All Conference in the Ohio Valley Conference. That's great, but he also as a freshman started games at Pitt in the ACC and acquitted himself well. He broke their. Uh, record for for three-point shots hit as a freshman and you know whose record he broke and i texted this to you guys earlier it was sean miller and and so you know there are connections there and and the fact that this is a guy who can stand out on the perimeter and shoot the ball his percentage dropped a little at ut martin but his coach will tell you when guys shoot a higher volume and are forced to be the lead guard and also scorer their three-point percentage typically drops he will not be relied on to be the only guy scoring on this team in, in on a high level and therefore, that will give him a chance to more zero in on just being a good shooter on the perimeter. And you look at his form, it works. His shot is the same every time, something you can't say about a lot of the guys on this Indiana team. Uh, will he shoot 40%? I don't know, but it's a consistent, reliable three-point shooter uh, and a guy who can score the, score the basket and do you know different things uh, on offense as well. And, you know, he's a, he's a coach's son, so you know he's going to be committed to the principles of defense and all of that. So he fits in really well with what Indiana needs. And it's a guy who, if he doesn't play till next season, we know there's questions about whether he'll play later in this season. But if he doesn't play till next season, it's a really good replacement for Al Durham. Essentially, you're, you're swapping them one for one. And you've got a guy with a lot of experience who can knock down shots. It's something that Indiana desperately has needed finally gets and, and and improves an aspect that needed to be filled. Now they need to go get 
potentially a post player, find a post player somewhere or, uh, you know, a bigger wing that can sort of slide between the post and the perimeter uh, somewhere. I think the transfer market's going to be the place they find. All right. Well, here's what we're going to talk about on this week's uh, edition of the assembly call. Uh, first, big news that we did. We got a shooter, uh, as has uh, as, as I think we've all touched on so far with the Parker Stewart com- commitment. So we'll talk a bit about that. Some of the questions that Ryan mentioned there. We'll look at some early season. Uh, we'll do some buy sell on a few trends that we've seen so far this season through the first six games, and then we'll answer your questions as we always do. All of that coming your way on this edition of the assembly call. But before we get to all that, let's talk about our new sponsor this season, Superior Insulation, a.k.a. Superior Insulators. The first thing you need to know about them, as with almost all of our sponsors, is that they're diehard Hoosiers. Brad, the owner of Superior Insulation, is an IU fan and longtime Assembly Call listener. The second thing you need to know about Superior Insulation is that they will literally make your life more comfortable by helping you fix drafty rooms, cold floors, and even excess noise. Plus, their systems help you save money through lower utility bills. More comfort and cost savings? It's not quite the double-double that Trace Jackson Davis delivered against Florida State, but it's close. And with winter here and colder temperatures still to come, now is the perfect time to invite Brad and his team out to your home or business so that they can do for you what they did for IU. Yes, the Superior Insulators did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings throughout campus. Like I said, they're Hoosiers through and through, and damn good at what they do. Another longtime listener, Rick, reached out last week and told me he booked a consultation with Superior Insulation, and you should too, because check this out. They have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You will get a $50 home field apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. And the Superior Insulators have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So visit insulators.com or just Google Superior Insulation to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And tell me Assembly Call sent you to get your $50 home field apparel gift card. All right, guys. So uh, the big news this week with no games since Sunday was Parker Stewart committing to Indiana. And, and, and like I said, we've all uh, talked through that. Uh, just to give a little background for, for people, started his career at Pitt, uh, did play a lot as a freshman. Uh, Ryan, as you mentioned, shot 38.6% from three there and was really, as as Alex Bozich uh, posted today at Inside the Hall, he did a really good write-up of kind of how his role changed um, from where he was really used largely as a spot-up shooter at Pitt and then what what his role became uh, last season at UT Martin, where he transferred to pay for uh, to play for his his father, the late Anthony Stewart, and uh, you know so obviously a lot of things changed, used more possessions, but um, I think it's good to already have the baseline of knowing he can play against high major competition. Although I will say Alex had embedded uh, a video of some of his uh, highlights from his freshman year, and there were a couple times where. The score would be at the bottom where he would hit a shot, and they were just getting obliterated uh, against multiple teams. But uh, you know, I do think he's got a proven track record as a shooter, which is the thing that IU fans will really like. And again, and at UT Martin, got a chance to do some different things uh, there. Had the ball in his hands more, was used a lot more in pick and roll situations. 
Um, Played 36 minutes a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah, I got. I mean, got a ton of playing time, earned it, uh, and 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 played really well. So, you know, Ryan, we, we talked about doing a, a more in depth scouting report uh, later, and maybe once we get a better idea of what he's going to do. What what are just your initial impressions of of what you've seen from him? I know you mentioned a little bit earlier about the shot, but um, you know, any any other scouting report type things that you would uh, you'd throw out here at least at, at the surface. He's just got a scorer's mentality. You can tell he's he's constantly looking to attack, but he's not a ball. I mean, he, he averaged three point eight assists as playing off the ball, so he's willing to set other guys up. But he's got that scorer's mentality. And the other thing that I liked about his shot is it has a really quick release, quick trigger, and it like I, as I mentioned in the opening, it looks the same every time. You know, he's not, you know, his feet are set. The release is where it is every single time. He gets rotation on the shot. He's not a guy who you're going to have to tinker with a whole lot. Um, and again, he grew up the son of a coach, so that was probably drilled into him really young. Um, I just think that there's there's also a confidence about him offensively that I think that Indiana badly needs. And just a guy who is sure of himself and knows what he's going to do when he gets the ball. And he's a little bigger, too. You know, He's about 6'5", 210. Whereas Indiana's got some smaller guards, they've got some slight guards. He's well built and and can sort of play that wing spot, you know, switch between a two and a three, which I don't really think there is much of a difference in Indiana's system, but it's the ability to play small forward um, because of his size. And yeah, I I just think, you know, he's an all around player. I, I don't know about him defensively. We haven't, you know, there's not a whole lot of film on him defensively, but offensively, he just looks like a confident, you know, self-assured guy who's going to knock down shots. And then, you know, if teams overplay, he's willing to mix it up and, and drive in. And he clearly is fine with, with setting other guys up, given his numbers on assists. So can and he could step in and, and, and be the main guy handling the ball because he did it last year. Now it's a different level of competition, but I think that's important as well. Somebody gets into foul trouble. All right. Who do we go offensively? He can step in and do that. So, Coach, I think the obvious—I don't know there's an obvious comparison. I think where a number of people have gone is is thoughts about how does this compare to the Evan Fitzner transfer. I think the comparison is that they're both guys brought in, and the belief was they're here to shoot the ball. Um, I, I tend to feel the comparisons really stop at that point. But I guess how do you respond, Coach, to the the questions about you know is this the, the Fitzner Fitzner ended up being disappointing? How do we maybe talk people out of the fact that the same could uh, could happen here? Well, you use common sense. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, simply every if transfers were were not always going to work out, then no one would bring transfers in. So there are examples around the country of transfers who come in and can play a a pretty good role for the team. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're not saying this guy is is going to lead us to the you know NCAA championship or Final Four. He's going to help this team be better because he can shoot the ball and he can go a little bit downhill. Um, and here's the thing: where he was at um, an ACC school, and I I saw the same scores that you did. Um, but he still was not afraid to, to shoot the basketball. Uh, as a freshman, he was recruited at that level. And then he went to play for his dad and then became that ball handler, have to come off ball screen. So he added to his skill set uh, by going uh, and playing at UT Martin. It, it's not – I've heard that uh, the talk too. Well, if he was any good, why was he playing at UT Martin? He's playing for his dad. Um, and, and that's a thing a lot of dads and kids want to do. And when the dad got the head coaching job, I don't know that for certain that it was – 
at that timing, but he wanted to come play for his dad and, and he wanted that uh, situation. So uh, I, I think there's, you, you can't compare to the last uh, transfer coming in. I always think you have to really be careful about transfers fitting into the program. And that would be a question about whether he plays this year or not. seems like a top-notch kid in order to get, you know, two degrees in, le- in less than four years, the kid's got to have a head on his shoulders. Um, and, and so I think we're, we're getting someone that's going to fit into the buy-in that we have, uh, and, and not, you know, um, I'm just I'm just pleased that Archie is still you know he's he's trying and everyone gets you know a little worried when this guard goes somewhere or this big goes somewhere who's going to come in the recruiting and that's where I sit is I'll I'll talk about them when they commit and, and then you know over the long run you do have to evaluate a coach's recruiting but I think this is a really really good get for for Indiana yeah and just on the Fitzner thing because I you know somebody went after me on on Twitter. <laughs> And I shouldn't have even answered, but it's saying, well, how is this any different than Fitzer? It's, it's, and Joel had mentioned that. And I think he was just kind of being contrarian and we had a fun back and forth, but somebody else jumped in and said, oh, it's exactly like Fitzer. It's a guy you thought would come in and shoot. And it's like, no, no, no. Fitzer was a reserve at St. Mary's. We all expected him to come in you? off, yeah, come in off the bench and make some shots, not come in and definitively impact the team. And we didn't expect, much else from Fitzner other than being a tall guy who could occasionally come in and hit some shots. He played 15 minutes a game at St. Mary's and was going to IU. Now he did hit 40% of his three pointers the year before he showed up at IU and then dropped to 30% at IU. I mean, he collapsed and and whether that's on the coaching staff or him or facing different competition, I, we don't know, but he's a guy who, Yes, he was supposed to come in and shoot, but he also dropped, you know, he went from being an 86% free throw shooter to a 66% free throw shooter, not in a lot of attempts. So, I mean, you know, he's a guy who came in and just didn't handle that situation very well. This is a different story where with a guy who has come from the ACC and starting in the ACC as a freshman, then going and being the guy at a school in the Ohio Valley Conference where Fitzner was a reserve on about the same level in the West Coast Conference. So, I mean, just the comparisons don't match up. Now, I get it. The baseline is that they were both coming in to be shooters, but Stewart is a far more accomplished player, a far more confident player, and a guy who has the pedigree of somebody who can step in and play right away and not need a huge adjustment period. So I just think that I get it. It's the last transfer who was supposed to shoot that came in and now, I, I like honestly, I think that the, a better comparison for Parker Stewart would be, and I would say the Parker Stewart is far more accomplished than this guy, but it would be Nick Zeisloft is more of a comparison of a guy who can come in and, you know, fit into the team a little bit different and do some different things along with shooting. Now, Zeisloft was not as athletic. He was not as good a scorer as Stewart is, and he hadn't played at as high a level as Stewart has. So, or, and he'd never been the lead guard anywhere. But there are just, that's a, a much more equitable comparison than to Evan Fitzner, who we didn't really know much of. We just looked at the numbers and said, well, he can hit shots. And so that's the difference, I think. And we were all at the time with Fitzner came in so desperate for any shooter that you see a guy who knocked down 40% of his threes at 6'10", and you're thinking, we got a shooter. You know, and this is a little bit different. I really do think this is a completely different situation. And it's a guy who, who can really play. It- I, I think, and, it, and you know, Bielfeld was a good transfer. Came in, right? And, yeah. and Keith Smart was a pretty good transfer. Dean Garrett was a pretty good transfer that came in. Um, remember that there are some that work out, and there are some that that don't work out. And to compare uh, just at the commitment time, I think is is ridiculous. 
Yeah, I think the the big thing for me is the fact that he played at at Pitt and and was able to succeed at a high level. That gives him a floor that you didn't have have with Fitzner, where you you kind of know at least there's a baseline of what you're going to get. And to your point, he expanded on some other skills, albeit at a lower level. And then you kind of see what happens. But um, yeah, I think I think and, and obviously if you expect if you expect Stewart to come in and, and score twenty points a game, you're going to yeah. be disappointed. That's not going to happen. You know, he was the lead guy getting the ball, being like, hey, go score, go score. He's going to have to fit into an orchestra in Indiana. It's going to be different. But, you know, for a fact, he can shoot and, 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 and score the basketball when he needs to. So, so we don't have a ton of time left in the segment, so we'll we'll take this quick because I don't think any of us really know. You know, the the million dollar question here is whether he'll play this year. There's really no penalty for him not to, in terms of the way the eligibility rules are and things like that. What you do have to be cognizant of is the chemistry, how fast does he pick up the system, and the fact that he's gone through a tragic event in his life with the loss of his dad. So, what he wants to do really needs to you know, be the driving force behind that. Uh, even though there's no downside from either his eligibility, from IU standpoint for getting him in a few minutes here and there, it really is going to be dependent upon how quickly that comes around. And I don't, you know, we're not going to know that. Um, we're not going to know that now. We're not going to know that a week from now doesn't really, doesn't really matter. If you guys had to guess, we'll just keep this brief, um, and, and not pretend we know things that we don't, um, coach, I'll throw it to you first. If you had to guess, does, do we see him play at all, um, over the, the latter part of the season, you know, and who who knows? I think he's going to be hungry to play once he gets back in things. I think with the tragedy has happened, it sounds like he hasn't been in the gym, and one of his concern was getting back in shape, getting back to be a basketball player. And only he and the trainers and the play they'll know exactly when that'll be physically and mentally. Um, you know, and getting used to the new surroundings, getting to your classes and all that kind of stuff. He may want to just take that time off, but there's something about a competitor and, and, and a coach's kid, especially that when you start getting in the gym, you start getting your legs. I think he might say, coach, you know, in, in an injury situation, a foul situation, you know, or if I've earned my way in there and I can work, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if everything goes perfectly in his mind that he, he might see some, uh, see some time towards the back end of the season, especially when it doesn't hurt, uh, because of the COVID situation, his uh, eligibility for a couple more years, I'm leaning towards no, um, I'm leaning towards no, just because I think there's a lot to overcome. You know, I lost my dad at, at 38 and, and it took me years to really overcome it. If I've ever, ever have, um, and, and, and then go into a new situation. So I'm leaning that he won't play, but I think there'll be a hunger for him once he gets uh, gets his win back to to maybe at least be available uh, in case he's needed. Yeah, and what I would say is he's not even going to be on campus until after Christmas. So it's not you know it's not like this is something where he's coming in he's going to play in January. You know he's going to come in and I bet he'll practice with the team, get a feel of the offense, get a feel of the defense, be a practice player, maybe emulate some lead guards for other teams and practice as sort of a scout player. And then as the season wears on, if he's in shape, he's looking good, and he feels like he's part of the team, part of the offense, part of everything. It's you know so I think they're going to treat it as if he's a normal transfer that's sitting out the year. But if he gets in the flow of things and maybe it's late February and I use looking good and they want to add another guy who can shoot, you know, to give us 10, 15 bench minutes or there's an injury or something and they need an extra guard. I think you might see a change. I would say right now, from this perspective, I would say it's a no. And, and I would say that because his attitude seems to be I'm sitting this year out. I sat the first semester out. I am you know, and I'm not even going to be on campus. If he was desperate to play right now, he'd be on campus. 
You know what I mean? But he's taking his time. He's spending time with his family as he should and all of those things. And, and I think that uh, I think it's probably a no right now. But who knows once he gets in the gym and starts practicing, it feels like, you know, part of the family, and part of the team. All right. Well, coming up, we're six games into the season now for IU. And so we've started to see some early season trends that are emerging. We'll pick out a few of the most notable ones and tell you whether we're buying them or selling them. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcasts or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And tonight, wanted to take a step back, look at a few early season trends through six games for IU, uh, heading into the uh, the crossroads over the weekend against Butler. Uh, so the first one I use currently, and this was really heading into today. So if things happen this evening that change this, I, I don't know. Uh, I use currently number ten in adjusted defensive efficiency at Ken Palm, and number six according to Bart Torvik. Are you buying or selling Indiana as a top 15 defense this season? Uh, Jared did give his thoughts on this. So I'll let you guys think about it for a minute while I, I talk through that. So he says selling, but slightly. So hedging a bit, but he said top 20 ish. I think front court depth is going to hurt us in big 10 play. And there are some really high powered offenses in the big 10. Although I recognize it's adjusted efficiency, but we'll still be challenges week after week uh, with little to no margin for error uh, in terms of foul trouble or injury for uh, trace and race. So, uh, coach, I'll throw this one to you first since you brought up the uh, the defense uh, early on. You buying or selling IU as a top 15 defense? You know, I think I'm going to go uh, with Jared with the slight sell if, if you can, you know, temper your, your buy sell. It, being top 15 um, in the Big Ten is going to really take a, a lot of effort, and the talent gets tougher. Um, you might see those numbers slip a little bit. That doesn't mean Indiana's defense will not be good, and that doesn't mean that it won't be a reason why they win uh, enough games to, to get into the tournament and maybe make a, a, a second weekend in a tournament. I think their defense is the best it's been under Archie Miller. It is something I'm enjoying watching, uh, but there's a lot of variables to stay in that top 15 compared to other great defensive teams as well. You know, you could uh, 17, 18 uh drop from 10th to there just by playing tough opponents while you're winning games. So just because the bar was set at 15, uh, I would definitely buy it in the top 20 uh, if um, if the metric was, was set or the bar was set there. Ryan, what about you? Okay, I'm going to put a caveat out there. 
if they stay healthy, if all the main guys stay healthy, I think it's a top 10, top 15 defense. And I'll tell you why the way they play together with the switching and the timing and knowing where each other are going to be and knowing when to rotate down. I mean, they are a machine right now. They really are. Even the guys we look at as bad defenders are playing well. I mean, Al Durham is not a great on-ball defender, but because he's getting help from everybody else exactly where he's supposed to, he's looked much better this year. Jerome Hunter, a guy we expected to maybe be an average defender this year, has looked much better this year. The only guys who have looked outmatched at any point, you know, consistently outmatched. I mean, you get beat on a drive, you get beat on a drive. The only people that look consistently outmatched are the freshmen, which is what you would expect. Most of them are playing in a pack line for the first time, and they're getting used to the speed, size, and all you know experience of the guys they're playing against. This looks like a group that just works well together. My concerns are not on the de- actually the defensive, you know, the the actual defensive ability of these guys. My only worry is one health and two allowing offensive rebounds to opponents. Those are the only two issues I have with this team where I'm thinking maybe there's a problem. I do think they've started to rebound better. And I do think the guards are getting more involved in the rebounding. So I think those, both of those things are positives, but honestly, if they, if they all stay healthy and they all play like they have with the aggressiveness they have, and I realize that can wane over season as guys get tired, but if they play with that aggressiveness, I think it's top 15. Defense. And where you're right, where you're right on that, Ryan, is that, you know, Indiana's played four good, um, basketball clubs, um, you know, and they've gotten there. And some of that is still Ken Palm's based on projection still and, and some of the yeah. stuff from last year. So it, it's not till late January to where it's a true reflection of this year only. So, so that's another reason why the numbers can be skewed a little bit. But where you're right is the fact that, you know, Indiana, even in the Texas game, um, was playing great game, defense. Good. Yeah. That, that was a game that if they played average offense, we're, we would have been right in that ball game. Um, and, there were a couple stretches at the very end that yeah. looked bad, but that was, so, you know, you were mixing in new guys and, but yeah, I, I agree coach. I just think that you, and one of the great changes has been the switching on the perimeter because yes. all those guys can guard everybody and it doesn't leave you. And the other thing is, is that on those switches, they're getting back. Even when guys hedge screens, they're getting back and covering it. And then you've got trace Jackson Davis inside and Ray Thompson. It's like covering for you. They've just worked it very well. I think the switches, the fact that a lot of different guys can switch. I mean, Ray Thompson switching on the guards and guarding them well and forcing them out on the perimeter and not getting driven by because he's athletic enough to defend. You don't want to have him there forever. And you'll see when the ball moves, he'll switch with somebody. But he is, even he is going out and switching sometimes. And it's just last year we saw all the problems they had was with that high hedge and with not recovering. That has not been a problem this year because these guys are hustling to get in position. Sometimes they're fighting through the screens and don't need it. And in a lot of cases, they're switching the screens, which negates the, the need for that high hedge. I just think it's it's been a great adjustment, and it's really shown that these guys all know each other well, know the system well, and are just locked in playing together and communicating. That's the other thing is they have to be communicating for that to work, and they clearly are. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it because uh... – why not be optimistic? Um, I, I do think some of the potential pitfalls that you guys talked about are there. The only thing I would add is uh, I listened to the the latest podcast on the brink today, and uh, Alex had Brian Butch on, and uh, who had done the game against North Alabama, and say what you want about Wisconsin guys, but they know what good defense looks like, and he had a lot of good things to say about what he'd seen from IU's defense, and even in the games that they lost, it was not a function of of really collapsing on the defensive end so I think 
again, some of the Big Ten teams that they'll play will present different challenges than than teams like Florida State and Texas. But I do think they acquitted themselves well enough in those games to to one have won the games. Had you seen better offensive performances, or you know, one play here or there goes goes their way against Florida State. So um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it, even though and and. Boy, if you are there at the end of the season and the way the Big Ten is shaping up, uh, you will certainly have earned it. Uh, all right, so the next one. Trace Jackson Davis currently number two on the Ken Palm Player of the Year Raider in large part due to his massive usage rate and production. Are you buying or selling Trace as a first or second team All-American this season? Ryan, I'll throw this one to you first. If he keeps playing, if he comes out, if he keeps coming out aggressive, yeah. I mean, this is what uh, an All-American looks like the last couple weeks. I mean, we've seen him, and it was that last I mean, was it the last game in Maui, and since then he's looked fantastic, and he's been a guy that they can just attack with. And it, when he is ready to go from the beginning, a he's gonna go, he's gonna live at the free throw line, and, and especially in the Big Ten, I think he's gonna live at the free throw line. But if he has that attitude of that he can attack anyone and beat anyone, which is correct and and the right attitude to have because he can. He's better than everyone, pretty much everybody he's going to face. He's going to be better than. Uh, if he does that, then yes, he's a second team. He's a, he's a first or second team All American, unquestioned. He's in the race for Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, I'm buying it as well. He 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 just came out after that Texas performance and has really changed. And it, a couple things that. You know, he has great stats. It has been a lot better. Uh, he's finding open man out of double teams and even inside the zone, uh, post-to-post passing. He's also hit some uh, 15-foot jumpers coming off the short roll in the pick and roll, uh, and he adds that to his repertoire. And, man, he's a he's just a rebounding machine and a pogo stick, and he's getting some blocks. Uh, I, I think his all-around game has gotten so much better and if he just brings that energy like and it, and who's to doubt it because he's the leader on the team as well he's your hardest worker he's winning the yellow jerseys all the time um, and that's going to translate to good performances inside the Big Ten I think that's going to be recognized uh, you know across the country and and I'm buying that yeah I think first team is probably a bridge too far but the second team to me is is certainly within the realm of possibility based on how he's played what he means to this team. Uh, if, if IU performs well, as they get into big 10 play, you're going to have a lot of marquee games based on how the big 10 is. And you're going to have a lot of opportunities for him to go against quality opponents. And if he shows himself well, uh, you, you build momentum in that way. His, his efficiency numbers look solid. And so, um, I'll buy that one too. Uh, all right, number three, through six games, Armand Franklin has the second highest usage rate among all IU regulars. So that takes Lander out of the picture, and, and TJD is obviously number one in that. So Race, Rob, Al, and Jerome are all right behind him. Are you buying Armand as Indiana's second most important offensive player? Uh, Coach, I'll throw this one to you first. Um, I'm selling that, and it has nothing to do with anything negative about Armand. Uh, he has been a very big surprise in the leap that he's taken. He is a very important player for these Indiana Hoosiers. Predominantly, he's another defensive guy that can stop penetration. Archie's talked about that on his show. Second of all, he can score and slash, so he is important. But there's two places I'm going to go. Well, one one position, two players that I think 
ultimately will uh, help Indiana get to their ceiling and as a point guard. Uh, and it's pace and it's uh, distribution of the basketball and it's hitting open threes. And that's Rob and Christian, I think, have to be combined. That position is is going to be the difference between a, a really solid Indiana year and a good uh, Indiana year. And that, and that doesn't take anything away from Al. It doesn't take anything away from the other guys because you're going to need points. But, um, the, the, you know, we can't turn the ball over. We got to get it to the right people and we got to knock down shots. And that's the, the role of a point guard. So I believe the second best player is going to be Rob Fennessy slash Christian Lander, if I can combine those two. Yeah. Um, and that's taken nothing away from, from the young man who's just been uh, one of my favorites to watch this year because of his all around play. Yeah. I think our, our second most important offensive player is going to be the guy who we talked about at the beginning of the season as putting in a lot of unless unless Armand Franklin's going to shoot threes the way he did in the last game, which right. I don't expect that. Five per half, we'll take it. Yeah, I like I expect him to make some shots, and his shot looks like he's working on it and has improved. But I don't expect him to explode like that. The guy who needs to shoot for Indiana to be successful, there are two of them, but I'm going to stick with one is Al Durham, and and his ability to shoot the ball is going to make a, a, a big difference for this team if he can consistently knock it down. Now he hasn't done it this year. And he hasn't shown up in every game as a senior and and attacked the way he should. And I but I think that he is important because when he does that, it helps out the rest of the team. It evens things out on the perimeter, balances perimeter and post. Armand's best offensive attribute is his ability to slash. Well, we need somebody out on the perimeter to be able to make shots. And I think Al and maybe even Jerome Hunter, the two guys that need to make shots, and that is what makes them so important. You need to have an inside guy, you need to have an outside guy. So I would say that 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 obviously Trace Jackson Davis is the most important, but Al or Jerome Hunter or whoever steps up and makes shots, and it's those two we're looking at mostly, need to be the the second most important. Yeah, I think there's a, a line to be drawn between, you know, the way the question at least was phrased was around: is he the second most important offensive player versus is he going to continue to have the second highest usage rate on the team? Because I think the the latter of those things is possible, uh, potentially a bit unlikely, but he's done a good job distributing the ball. He's, he plays downhill where he's trying to attract the defense, and if he's able to you know, dish off the guys, uh, he gets fouled. he's been getting fouled a decent amount. So I think his usage rate could could stay in the neighborhood of where it is, and it, with a bunch of guys bunched up, like maybe he's second, but I don't think that necessarily means he's the second most important offensive player, and I think the guys that you mentioned probably – uh, fit that bill a bit better than than he does and again I, I used the opening part of the show to talk about how impressed I've been with him so it isn't really a slight to him in that regard but I I, I would tend to sell that but I think he um, is going to be a guy who is going to be relied upon and certainly if he can step up and shoot close to what he did against North Alabama against better competition that really adds a different dimension to what IU can do it gives him another guy who can space the floor because I think what you like that you've seen from Armand even when the shots weren't falling he wasn't afraid to shoot them um, yeah. and I think that's a, a you know there, there's a there's a line to be crossed at some point there but a, he he to me wasn't close to the line of okay, he's not you short need, on confidence you need to just stop because you you know so he, he certainly wasn't at that point so um, and I, important I, I, sure I, I, I tend to sell the the question the way that it was asked though yeah and yeah, the second he, best versus best versus important Kathy says this in the chat my best versus important he could be our second best player uh, offensive player but there are some you know how are you going to define important? 
That's why I went to the point guard. That's why you went with L, and and I think both could be argued that way. Um, the importance uh, as well, of shooting, the, the importance of distributing right. the ball. Yeah, all of those. It's 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 kind of hard to today. What I will say is, if you take the offensive out of there, I think he's certainly our second most important player right now because of his because defense. Of defense. I mean, he's shutting really good players down just completely. So if you take the offensive qualifier out of there. Yeah, I'd say he's definitely the second most important. And he's been handling the ball a lot more this year, bringing it up. I mean, you know, it's he's been doing good things on both ends of the floor. It's just the importance of shooting to this team is such that from an offensive perspective, I think it needs to be a shooter. I think somebody has to step up and consistently make shots. Now, in, in two weeks, could be him. If he's still shooting, then my answer on this will change. Yep. All right, last one. Uh, so Ken Palm... Uh, fifth. Now, I will clarify this with this is fifth in terms of overall adjusted efficiency in the league, not by projected record, because um, he has them projected more in the middle of the pack uh, based on what the schedule is. So, but fifth highest rated, we'll say, and Torvik also has them third highest rated. Have Indiana clearly among the top five teams in the conference early in the season? Are you buying Indiana as a top five team in the league? Uh, Coach, I think it's uh, your turn to go first. So you buy IU as top five team in the Big Ten based on what you've seen so far? I'm going to give an answer. <laughs> I'm going to sell that. I, I'm, I'm going to sell it, um, but these are right on the borderline too. I think if you're in the top half of the Big Ten this year, you're a solid basketball club because you're dealing with the top four teams that are really, really outstanding right now, and you can't deny that. And then you got Rutgers, Indiana, and Michigan. So that means those seven teams are, I think, are outstanding teams. So to say that guarantee by buying that, that Indiana is going to be that fifth one ahead of Michigan and Rutgers, I, I just can't do that yet until we've seen more consistent play and some of the issues that, uh, you know, the rebounding and the turnovers and the consistent shooting to say, yeah, they're going to go up and then start uh, advancing to that top four. So that's why I'm, I'm selling that. Do I think they're a top half team uh, and, a, and a five, six, seven seed by the end of the year? Yeah, probably. But I think you're going to see a lot of big 10 teams in there um, that, that even the eighth and ninth, ten, ninth and 10th teams from the big 10 teams are going to get bids likely with as good as the conference is. So I'm selling it just because the conference is so good and the top is so uh, heavy right now on the top. Um, that's the reason I'm selling it, uh, but I, I do think Indiana is is can be up there, and I wouldn't be surprised if they are at the end of the year. Today, I'm selling this, and the reason why is Indiana has played two top 14 teams in Ken Palm. Texas is 7th, Florida State is 14th, and they lost them both. They have to prove they can win those games before I feel like they're definitely a top 5, top 4 Big Ten team. They have to prove they can win those games. Florida State, they had chances didn't get it done. And some of that was on the coaching. And we've, we talked about that in the post game. If you're really interested in that, go back and watch the Florida state post game. There were some things that could have been done to win that game. Uh, they played even with them and they showed that they're on that level, but they didn't win the game and, and playing up to the level of an Illinois or a Michigan state or an Iowa or Wisconsin, whatever, that's all well and good, but you got to prove you can beat them. I mean, if you just, if you just play with them, that doesn't really give you anything. And so until they prove they can win those games, I'm selling this. And and I would say, I agree with coach. I think they're in the top seven for sure. But top five is a different animal. And, and it's to be the best of that next level or even edging up to that top tier is, is something this team has to prove to me. And it hasn't proven yet. I think they played very well. But this team is to prove that it can get over the hump in those games and prove that it can take those games and take down 
more than not. Win them more often than not. I mean, really, you're not going to win every game you go against a top 15 team that goes down to the wire. You're just not going to win every single one of them. But can they win more than they lose of those? That's what they have to prove to me. Yeah, I think I, I I fall on the sell side of this as well. I think if you said top six, I probably would buy it just because I'll take their chances to beat out one of the other two that, that you mentioned, Coach. I For me, you looked at it coming into the season, and you had a, a fairly clear top four of Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan State in some order. And I don't know that any of them have really done a whole lot to talk me out of that. Yeah, Illinois losing uh, at Missouri by three is not great. Um, you know, Michigan state, the one at an empty camera. And I don't know that anybody knows how good Duke is, but they've, uh, largely acquitted themselves, uh, well, struggled a bit with Detroit, I believe is, is one, was one of their other games. You know, Iowa played really well against North Carolina. Otherwise haven't played anybody. We'll find out a lot about them against Gonzaga on Saturday. And, and Wisconsin is five and one lost on a, a tip in at the end to Marquette, um, but has a couple other decent wins as well. They play Louisville on Saturday, so again, maybe another chance to find out more about them. So I don't know that any of them has faltered enough to make me think that IU is going to leapfrog one of those teams. I think Ryan, the point you made was good as well, just in terms of the teams that IU struggled with are ranked in the or in and around where a lot of these other teams are, and Michigan and Rutgers are up there too. So uh, I, I tend to sell it. I don't. I, I think it's a bit more of a commentary on the league than it is IU. I, I know that sounds like sugarcoating it and probably not what people want to hear but i you know when you look around the league i I think it's quite clearly the best Uh, the big 12 maybe is more top heavy and has more top end teams but i think top to bottom uh it's it's really strong so um, yeah the ecc seems down this year it was last year too i I think yeah it's true so yeah north carolina was awful last year and that's a team you can usually rely upon to be pretty darn good yeah, so we'll see. Time will tell on that, but uh, but all right. Well, hopefully, hopefully on that one at least we'll be proven wrong. We'll see about the others. But uh, all right, so that'll do it for that segment. Coming up next, we'll answer your questions, including one about what IU needs to do in their next seven games, and uh, another about how the uh, extra year uh, of eligibility might uh, play into things for next season. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. So just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Now time for our mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. And guys, we don't have a ton of time left uh, with this, so we'll hop right into it. Uh, 
Jeff's question. He he's uh, being a coach that I am. Like to break the season into quarters, one quarter through the season at four and two. What do you think IU needs to do in the next seven games to be considered successful, both for the Big Ten race and tournament selection? So, next seven games are uh, Butler, Northwestern, Penn State, Maryland, at Nebraska, and at Illinois and at Wisconsin. I realize I did not list those in order, but. Um, I didn't have the schedule in front of me. So what, what do you guys coach? I'll throw this one to you first. Uh, what do you think they need to do in those uh, seven games? What would, how, what would make you feel good besides seven? And I, nine, obviously, uh, I, I think they have to go, they have to go five and two. I, I agree um, with Jeff there on that. Um, and, and if they don't, the, the nice thing about the Maui classic is you, you banked a couple wins against power five teams and, and, and those teams might be tournament teams, Stanford. Yes. Right now, Providence on the bubble, but those aren't going to go away in a year where a lot of teams aren't playing non-conference. So the ultimate goal is making the, the tournament. We want to make it with a good seed. But, yeah, th- those are games that, that I think you, you, you should win. Uh, Butler normally I, I think would be a, a tougher game, but coming off of COVID and they might have lost uh, the Thompson guy. I think I agree with Jeff that 5-2 that and two has to be uh, their run because the, the rest of the schedule is going to be a little tougher. Ryan, what yeah, about it's, you? It, it's 5-2. and two. If you lose at Illinois and at Wisconsin, you're – okay with it as long as you play well you got to show up and, and play well um that's not a concern unless you just flop but yeah i would say five and two the only road game in there a true road game is at nebraska who you should blow off the floor so you know that that's five and two for me 100 percent. yeah I'm, I'm agree with the five and two maybe you steal one on the road as jeff mentioned in the question but i think if you look at yeah, neutral you court go, against, you go six and one, you're thrilled. Yeah, if you look neutral court against Butler, and then you got home games against three of the the lesser teams in the Big Ten with Northwestern, Penn State, and Maryland, and you got a road game that you can win at the worst team in the league, feels like you have to sweep those, and then you know maybe you steal one of the other two. So five and two to me is the minimum. I wouldn't feel great about four and three because I don't think you can talk yourself into feeling good about any of the losses in the others. Uh, so Rick's question, if Joey or Al decided to play the extra year next year, does the scholarship limit have to remain at 13 or to go to 14 or 15 scholarship players for that one year? Uh, I can answer this one quickly. It's uh, my understanding of it is, and, and one of you guys can jump in if I'm wrong, is that it wouldn't really count against it, that they've given everybody the, the ability to do that. And uh, so everybody is, uh, is safe if they do that. That uh, is correct. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can hit one more. We got about a minute left here. Uh, next one, uh, Jim Tom Hoosier. Do you think the shooting success against North Alabama was more a result of poor zone defense? Uh, and even if it was, do you think the success might increase confidence and result in more success against better defenses? Ryan, you're the shot shot expert. What do you think about that? I think that it was lesser competition and they felt more confident taking those shots. I don't think it had anything to do with the poor zone defense because there have been wide open shots all year that guys have not knocked down against good teams. I think it was just they felt confident. They were ahead by a lot and they started making shots, started not worrying about getting their shots blocked, all that stuff, and just were stepping into shots confidently and hitting them. That was the difference, not the defense. Coach, what about you? you got about 20 seconds. Yeah, um, I'm getting tired of seeing uh, open shots clank. Um, so even on bad – you got to make bad defenses pay, and Indiana did against North Alabama. So hopefully that will carry on uh, to get the open shots and knock them down. Yeah, I think that's ultimately why you play those games is to give yourself some confidence. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. I cannot find the – Outro. Good for me. All right, there we are. Uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. 
Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again on Saturday after the IU Butler game. And until then, take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Hope none of you have Derek Carr in uh, fantasy this week. No, but I got uh, Waller. He's got a touchdown. Yeah, he caught a. He caught. Mariota's throwing the ball to him, so that's good. And I got Jacobs, and I got the. I got three Raiders. That's that's not usually a recipe for success. Although I'm number one seed in the playoffs and and still alive. Who's your third Raider? Jacobs, and who's the other one? Uh, The kicker. Oh, okay. That's a, that's all right. If one of them, uh, that is Carlson. I think yep. his yeah. name is. is that right? Yep. Yep. <clears throat> all right. So we got a couple questions here. We'll try to hit, and then we'll wrap. I can actually up. stick around until my dinner delivery comes. Oh, well, nice. What, nice. what what what's on the menu? It, uh, a place called Urban Plates has like good, fresh food. It's really good. Cool. Like you know they they use like expensive like good ingredients kind of thing. It's one of those places. <laughs> Crazy. Not like McDonald's. <laughs> crazy no uh, all right so this one was from brian saw this question posted on another forum uh if this year's uh, national champion goes undefeated what is the minimum number of games they would need to play this year for it to be le- for it to legitimately count as the next undefeated champion fyi you was 32 and 0 with powerhouse ucla teams in the alcinder walton days went 30 and 0 so what do you what do you guys think uh, ryan I'll, I'll throw that one to you first I mean, if it's 30, I think you can put yourself in that category. Going Even if you don't win a championship, if you win your first 30 games, you're, you're a pretty darn good team. Um, so I would say 30, but I don't even – is anybody getting – what's the max anybody's playing, like 25 this year? 27 I mean, max. I think 27 you can play 20, plus, but then you'd have to play – but then you'd win six in the tournament. So you could get to 33 yeah, so you're theoretically. Over I think if you're over 30. Now that's if you I play all your games, which, which feels yeah. pretty – which playing all your games feels pretty unlikely. Yeah, but. it's true. You get over 30, and I'll consider you a legit undefeated. That's a legit undefeated season. It's like, you know, if I, Ohio State goes 6-0 and and then wins two games in the playoff and finishes 8-0, and I'm not going to consider them one of the greatest teams of all time in, in college football. So, uh, But I think that you play 30 games and go undefeated with the amount of travel these teams do these days and everything. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm calling it. Uh, you're, you're a legit undefeated team. Yeah, I think so. So and I definitely don't think I'm. I'm definitely not into asterisks on championships or whatever this year. This year is hard. You win a championship, you win a championship. I hate the Dodgers with every fiber of my being. They won a World Series this year. I don't care if it was you know sixty games. They they won a World Series. I mean, I think to me this question really centers around Gonzaga. I don't think anybody that I've seen there's. I find it really hard to believe any of the Big Twelve teams that are ranked high would get like. Baylor's looked really good. I don't think they're going undefeated in the Big 12. No. And I don't think any major conference team really would. So to me, this is really a Gonzaga question. Um, yes. So if you look right now, as I just did, and then the window went away, they're they're 3-0. and They've got four more non-conference games scheduled. They just picked up a neutral court game against Virginia for the day after Christmas. Um, so they got Iowa and Virginia are their, their two remaining tough neutral court or tough. Um, well, they are both neutral court non-conference games. So um, that would put them the best they can be non-conference unless they add games, which this year schedules are uh, a, a moving target. And, and, but so let's, let's assume this is a schedule. So that'd be seven. They play a 16 game league schedule in the West coast conference, I believe. 
Um, so that'd put him at 20. Plus the tournament. That'd be put him at 23. I think the WCC Conference does something tournament. weird where they would really only, they like give a, they get a buy, they'd get a buy to the semifinals. Um, I don't know what this says that's about me that I, that I know let's these just things, say but let's just say that's two more games. Um, why do you know these things? I don't know. Bracketology. I don't know. Well, <laughs> that is why. So you'd be 25 at that point. Uh, you if you six. did it and then you gotta win six in the NCAA tournament, you'd be 31. No, like I, I would feel like that's legitimate. And there's parts of me that are like this year, it wouldn't be more impressive, I don't guess. With somewhat with the uncertainty, like it would be a different year, but I certainly wouldn't put an asterisk by it. Now, I think if you get somebody who goes like twenty-two and zero, I think that's a yeah, different conversation. That to me is a different yes. conversation. But I, I, I again, I, I view this as largely a Gonzaga-specific question because they're the one to me that really has a shot to do it, assuming they you know win these other couple games and people hey, give them good what about games. San Diego in the state man, what about San Diego State? Almost did it last year. I know. I just don't know if they could go through the tournament undefeated. But no, but I mean yeah. they had a first round draft pick. You know who's gone? The Malachi yeah. Flynn. So yeah, yeah it's so. it's different. All right. Uh, let's see. Next one we got James. So this was specifically for coach. So Ryan, we don't have to answer this unless we feel we feel cool, obligated. I'm muting. Uh, all right. So for coach, having witnessed multiple IU basketball national championship teams, if you could only witness one more IU national championship and you could choose which team would win one. Would you choose the football team or the basketball team? No, we are a basketball school, but I think it's an interesting question because a football championship would be unlike anything we've ever experienced as fans. I think it would also be interesting what incoming IU fresh incoming freshmen at IU might pick, seeing that most of them were just being born the last time IU went to the Final Four. This this, this one's easy for me. It's basketball. Um, it's it's my you know. 63-year-old rear end in the fountain uh, with a bunch of co-eds um, buying them beer on Kirkwood afterwards. Um, we're a basketball state. Um, nothing against the football program. I've had season tickets for over 25 years and tailgate and would love to see them in the Rose Bowl uh, and, and, and be successful and proud of them this year. But for me, it's, uh, it's basketball. Uh, I coach basketball. My kids played basketball. There's nothing like cutting down net. Um, so yeah, it would uh, it would be basketball. Ryan, do you have a, a? I would be curious to hear your opinion on this, just because of your background as a as an IU fan and and all that stuff. What would you say? Um, well, I wasn't supposed to answer this question, so I was talking. To I mean, you don't have to. You can abstain if you so choose. We, it, what was it? Do you, would you prefer a? Football you, championship. Basically, or if IU was going to only win one other championship one in your lifetime, basketball. would it be basketball or football? Yeah, I. It is a harder question than you than you might think. I, I tend basketball to one hundred percent. Yeah, I. Oh, yeah, you sorry. froze up a little bit. Okay. Am I back now? Yeah, you're back. Yep. We heard you. basketball one hundred percent is what you said. Yeah, one hundred percent. Just because of how much it means to everybody in the state, you know what I mean? Like it's. I mean, as long as I mean, particularly if it still happened while we were doing the show, that would be pretty cool. Although apparently, although apparently, coach would be in the fountain and and not on the show. But um, <laughs> I wouldn't right. be intelligible on the show, but I'd be on the no. show. Yeah, I'd be remote. I'd get my phone out in the fountain doing remote. You know, Your reporter on the scene. We, I like it. We could do that. Yeah, um, yeah. I would tend to say basketball. I mean, that's really where my IU overall fandom was was born and. Um, but it's close for me because I have a lot of good memories of the football program and, and time spent uh, as a family going to IU games and and things like that. I mean, to me, those 
I've, I've gotten in these questions before of like, you know, if teams you root for, if you ranked like which, which one you'd want to see, um, win a championship, which one might make you the most emotional if they won a championship. I mean, IU basketball and football have always been the top for me. I mean, even you know, it was great when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I was super excited. Um, things have not gone well for them since then. Um, but <laughs> you but, got the championship. Stop complaining. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not complaining. That's why I'm able to live with it. It's San Diego's fine. never had one. Just stop. So that's where it's like, you think about some of that stuff and it's always, you know, I think people, when I would talk to them, would always be surprised that I would put IU football that way, but I, it does, the program does mean a lot to me, but I, I would still struggle to pick something other than basketball in that scenario. So Ryan, if you had, so San, so let's, let's go with that question to you. So if there was a team that you rooted for that were, you know, to win something like which, which one would mean which one would mean the most? Would you? I mean, it's certainly. I I, Padre, we Padre, we know who it's not, but yeah, the Padres winning a World Series would mean so much to San Diego. I mean, it would you know it would change this town fundamentally. Um, even even when the Chargers were here, uh, and you know, obviously, I've disowned them, and all of my friends have as well, or they wouldn't still be friends. But I, I even when they were here, my friends and I used to sit around and be like, "Would you rather have a Super Bowl or?" a world series and all of us unanimously said a world series. It's just, there's something special about that. You can't get lucky in a world series. You have to win four games to win a championship in baseball. And, you know, you can have a fluky game and, and, and win in football, I think, or, or a, one injury can derail you. I feel like it's just means so much more to have to go through that arduous playoff chase. And, and so, yeah, a World Series would mean so much to the city, especially after the Chargers left. You know, I mean, that really would mean so much to us and and his fans. I might legitimately cry if the Padres won a World Series because I also grew up, it wasn't like the Padres were competitive. You know, they were always bad, always bad, and always one of the worst teams in baseball. And now, obviously, you've got ownership that that is invested in the team and, you know, making it better. And that was my, that was the doorbell for my dinner. But um, I, I think that, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it it just would be it would mean so much to the city, and that would mean so much to me. And I think in the same way that you know another basketball title would mean so much to Bloomington and Indiana as a whole. That's what I want to see. I mean, you know, especially with how much time we've put into this, you know, I just want us to get back there once, just once, get back there and be able to do a post game show after a championship. That would be uh, that would be good. It would have to be explicit in the rating on the podcast. Yeah, yeah for just, sure. I'm just yeah, all bets are, all bets are off. Yeah, <laughs> at that point for sure. I think that's I think that's reasonable. Yep. Uh, all right. So next show, Butler. I believe at eleven thirty a.m. Tip is what I'm seeing on here. That's what I thought it was. So I think it's eleven thirty. Tip. So yep. Ryan, little Ryan, little breakfast, uh, little breakfast hoops for you. Aaron Thompson went down yesterday and he was helped off the court. Their point guard. Yeah. Leading scorer. I don't know if he'll be ready to go. Yeah. It did seem like ankle. I didn't watch any game. He was grabbing right below his knee on the, on the front side and he did not look happy. Um, That sounds bad. Yeah, this is a game. I mean, Butler coming back. I think they said they had only maybe practiced once heading into that Villanova game. Not exactly. I mean, you don't want to play anybody off one practice. Villanova would be pretty far down that list for me in terms of who you'd want to play. Yeah, you know what though? They they hung tough for a while there, and then it just got spread out a little bit at um, you know, the ten, eleven, twelve mark. It got to seven, eight, nine, and then it got up to double digits. Uh, you know, about the seven minute mark to 
So, you know, you can't sleep on a team like Butler, you know, because they guard even. Yeah, it's it's never easy against them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, should be good. But yeah, it should good, be a good one. I, good, I, I think it'll test. be fun. Is it you, Ryan, just you and me for that one? Is that right? I think so. Because Coach, Are you, you a out, game? Coach? Yeah, I got a game. I don't know what time. Our, our shoot-around's usually in the afternoon, but um, I got a 40-minute drive, so I got to yeah, I got to <laughs> for sure. Kind of get yeah. my scout. And then Jared said he might. Jared said he might pop on. Is that the one he said he might pop on for? Is that I don't know. I'm I'm on a show by show, day by day basis yeah, at this point. So I think we all so are. I knew you I guys I, were going to be on here, and that was all that I needed to know to survive right now. And that's <laughs> all I'm doing. So in quarantine, guys, we're all day to day. Right? Absolutely, that's right. Absolutely. That's the way I face work too. Do you, do I go in? Do I not go in? Is it remote <laughs> learning? Is it in person learning? Yeah, exactly. So call anyway. me in the morning. All right. Well, at the very least, Ryan and I will be here after the Butler game, and uh, appreciate everybody joining us tonight. Uh, stay safe, and uh, and we will talk to you on Saturday. Later, guys. All right. Good night, everyone. All right. See you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.